Welcome to Tech Exchange. I'm your co-host, or sorry, rather guest host of the show. Jane Johnson couldn't make it today. She's off attending many wonderful, glorious things with her cats that are glorious. So, Jane, we bid you a good day. Uh, my name is Johnny Moda. I'll be your host for the show. I have co-hosts, uh, Hope Roth, Krista Bender, Corey Moss, and my special guest would be Ryan Steffens of Onkyo. But before we have him give us the lowdown on everything Onkyo and a few other technologies that are very popular today, I would like for Krista to announce our sponsor. Yay, that's me. Um, our sponsor is Ingram Micro. If you visit their website, ingrammicro.com, you can find out how they can help you as an integrator to fulfill your audio, visual, and IT needs. So that's ingrammicro.com. Thank you very much, Krista. Um, as I mentioned, we have shows or topics, rather, on this show that we talk about in regards to technology in the previous week or so. So, as it being the, the very first topic we have, uh, Hope, can you talk about the latest nudes in regards to Cedia? <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm having technical difficulties in the form of a screaming toddler. Um, <laughs> That's okay, she's very welcome to join in as much as she can. She yes, has, she we'll allow her to talk on the subject, too. She has some thoughts on Cedia. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get that uh, later. But mostly she has thoughts on needing a glass of water. Um, yeah, so uh, big news this week. Uh, Vincent Bruno, former uh, marketing executive at Crestron, was named the new CEO of Cedia. Um, they haven't had a CEO in a very long time. He's only the second one that they've had. Uh, and a lot of people are thinking that this is a sign of them um, making some, uh, some big changes. So big news this week. Now, I, I, I know Vincent pretty well from Crestron. He's a great guy. I, I'm excited to see him to take the reins over at Cedia. And I know the previous CEO as well, which I've mentioned in the past, uh, who now runs a startup company out of Austin, Texas. And he's doing great things there. But for Vincent, I think, I think that'll be a good, uh, a good challenge for him as well as it, to see where he takes the direction of Cedia. I, I'd like to see if some big things happen over there. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, Vin's done a great job at Crestron. Um, and, and I think this is a very, very big deal for Cedia uh, to have Vin as their CEO, uh, especially, you know, as, you know, the show is right around the corner. And, um, Johnny, the show is taking place in Dallas, Texas this year, right? It is in Texas, a place I've never been to. But that's probably most of the world, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> You've got to get off the West Coast every once in a while. I actually, my first Infocom was in Dallas, Texas, as a matter of fact, back in 95. So I do know the Dallas area pretty well. I lived in Austin uh, for a year. So, um, but no, uh, Dallas is a great place. And I think everybody's going to uh, enjoy being down there for Cedia. And um, again, uh, this is uh, this is very big news. Uh, you know, I saw it yesterday, and um, you know, you know, good stuff. Good, good stuff for Cedia. From time to time, we like to talk about certain technologies or what's the word? Drones. 
we like to talk about drones here on the show. Uh, Krista has a very interesting article that she would like to touch on about the topic of drones. Krista? Yeah, it seems like I can't stop talking about drones. Um, I came across uh, this article because um, if you know me, you know I'm a huge soccer fan and I'm a Philadelphia Union supporter. And um, this week they released that the Philadelphia Union, while they are doing very poorly as far as not going to make the playoffs this year, they're the first uh, MLS team so far that's using drones to um, watch them practice. So the drones are not being used during live games for various reasons, but they're using them during practice, which is kind of cool because uh, the coach, Jim Curtin, um, he said it's great because, you know, you can take a look at it and uh, see what's going on, um, transitions on the field, movements, movements from the back four, see where the team's at, see where the, you know, what runs the attackers are making against the defenders, spaces that are open. Um, and he's actually used it as a tool when they recently went out to San Jose to, to go against the earthquakes. He had all this drone footage on a tablet and was showing it to some of the players just to see where they could uh, tighten up things and whatnot. Um, you know, for uh, play on the field. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, no, like I said, no other MLS team right now is using drones. And currently the only one that I know of in the English Premier League is Everton. So that's kind of cool. Um, and I know that uh, some of the NFL teams have been thinking about dealing with drones, but they just haven't gone forth with that yet for different legal reasons. So I just thought it was pretty cool that even though my team is not doing well on the field, they're using really cool technology to help them get better. Do you think that the the drone is actually going to make them better by uh, spying on other teams? I don't think it's for spying. Unfortunately, I think what's going to make the team better is probably going to have to be changes on and off the field. Bill Belichick hasn't started coaching uh, the Philadelphia Union. No, no, he hasn't. <laughs> Talk about spying on other teams. Um, Boo. <laughs> I did that one for you, Hope. Um, Thanks, Corey. Remind me never to call in on a Saturday again. <laughs> this, is, this will be Hope's last tech exchange. <laughs> um, uh, it's okay. I have all my Super Bowl uh, rings. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cheer me no. up. It's all right. All awesome. right. No, we're not opening that can up. It's easy uh, to be magnanimous in victory, Corey. Don't worry. You win, Hope. Tough ones. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, talking about drones and I, I hardly ever do. But um, now I'm looking at this picture in the article, uh, Krista, seeing the overhead shot here. And that must be, that really must be something to be able to uh, work with a drone and, you know, and, and looking at practice and seeing how that's happening from overhead. Well, it's a pretty cool, because it's a pretty cool stadium. I mean, it's, it's about the size roughly as the one out that they just built in San Jose. It technically seats 18,500. Mm. And I've been in various seats throughout the stadium when friends of mine have been somewhere else. And there's really not a bad seat mm-hmm. in the stadium. And to see it from like the aerial view from up top is pretty cool. So, yeah. um, you know, I hope that it's something that works out for the union. And I hope it's something that works out for the rest of the MLS teams. Because, you know, if, if you know, if they, if the league has no problem with them doing it. I think it's it's just really cool to implement and it'll help all the teams. Mm-hmm. No, and I'll tell you what, I was just this week, I was at Stampede Globals. Uh, I think they could call it the book, big book of AV tour. And of course, one of the main reasons I went was to talk drones. And I would say probably 75% of my discussion there was about drones. Met some 
some great people, some very interesting discussion that I had there, and talking about drone usage inside and outside, uh, talking about commercial usage, and uh, it's interesting. I guess it would have been great if I had known this to have that discussion with those people there as well about this usage would have been terrific, and I I actually do uh, plan on having follow-up discussions, and I do want to mention this as well. Because this is a great case for uh, for drone usage in uh, in sports uh, specifically. Do you think that all sports will be played by drones in the future, and will there be no human contact? Robots and drones. No. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you say that we are droning on? Oh, I don't know. Does Does Ryan want to drone uh, at all here? I think the drone thing is incredible. Um, I think it's kind of crazy to watch something that's progressed so quickly that it, it doesn't seem like uh, rules and regulations can kind of keep up with it. Um, you know, where I live in New Jersey, we have a lake, and I've seen multiple videos this year of our party cove where everyone goes to hang out, aerial views. So it's definitely really cool to see perspectives, you know, that bird's eye view that of things that you would never see otherwise. Um, it is a little nerve-wracking when you have you know, like a three foot drone floating over your boat and you don't even know where the person is that's controlling it. So I'm sure there's all kinds of people freaking out about privacy issues and safety issues, but I think that there's so many benefits and it seems like a lot of the benefits are in sports, not just people practicing, but the ability for you to set a drone up to follow you while you're wakeboarding or riding your mountain bike. I mean, it's just seems pretty incredible. And I think you're going to have so many different points of view and experiences now that were never available before. And it's a lot safer for the people that would be uh, viewing that. I mean, right now, I guess if they're trying to get some sort of aerial shot, somebody's up on some sort of jib or they're like up on, you know, scaffolding or something and hiding in a tree. Whereas now you can, you know, get a really clean shot and not, you know, have somebody risk falling off of something. Yeah. You know, and, and the last uh, show we talked about, and Krista brought up the uh, U.S. Open, the tennis uh, U.S. Open in um, uh, Flushing, Queens, and um, a teacher brought a drone, and it crashed into the stands, and there goes your, uh, your safety issues, um, which, of course, are always major concerns, as well as privacy, uh, which is brought up. So where a case like this uh, is certainly um, great for sports usage and being able to detail plays and what have you, uh, there is the other side, of course, with um, safety and, and, yeah, privacy is, of course, another uh, discussion entirely where drones are concerned. So, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all uh, all good discussion. So, Krista, we'll wait for your next drones uh, article on the next show. If it wasn't for the loud noise of the the propellers of drones, I'd I'd really like to see someone take drones and record audio at multiple layers, uh, the floor above, and uh, aerial views to produce a a nature documentary, if you will, or something like that. Mm. Um, in regards to uh, uh, an Atmos experience or something like that, just to get that full immersive sound experience, because as we all know, sound is just reflections and and um, tones and different things like that. So they come from multiple layers and not just at ear level. Um, so with the exception of the drones making loud noises, uh, if you could dangle microphones or something like that, I think it would be kind of an interesting effect. Um, but that being said, drones are 
loud from propellers. So mm. maybe that's not going to happen anytime soon. Mm. You'd think that they'd have technology to uh, be able to cancel out, understand what those frequencies are that it's emitting and cancel it out. That's a very good point, Ryan. Um, I'm going to have to talk to some of my friends over at Sennheiser and Sure and a few other places, but maybe they do. Well, and I, I was at the, the, the event the other day, and I watched them fly a drone inside after the show was over, and it was, it was kind of loud, but there was one manufacturer, and they said, well, there's another manufacturer uh, whose drones fly quieter than that, and it's something I do want to, I'll probably get a chance to, uh, you know, see this drone manufacturer's um, unit and, you know, see how quiet, hopefully, uh, or more quiet that unit is. And if it is, then such things could possibly happen. Hey, when you go into a drone convention, Corey, do you ride your hoverboard? <laughs> I'm just, you know, speculative. Uh, um, yeah. Well. Anyway, that was the drone discussion, everybody. Uh, Corey has some interesting tidbits about RO3D, Dolby DTS, and Atmos uh, in, the, in the industry. Corey, can you take us into that direction, please? It's an article, Infocom Multi-Channel Audio Goes Way Beyond 5.1, and it is something that was written by Dan Daly at, uh, of Infocom. And... Um, it starts off, if you've been to the movies lately, you may have noticed that your head's been snapping back and forth a lot more. And he says that's because cinema has been the new frontier for the next generation of multi-channel sound systems. So what he refers to is three the, the new audio formats, and says among them Dolby Atmos, Dolby's Atmos, Barco's Oro, and DTS's DTS-X. Uh, uh, being the vanguard of the 3D immersive sound universe. Um, and then he continues uh, with immersive sound, highly directional audio, using as many as 22 or more discrete speakers. And of course, uh, you know, Johnny Ryan, you guys are the experts on all of this. Um, so as orally dazzling as 4K and 8K video purport to be visually. Um, so talks about the players, Dolby Atmos, Barcos Oro, again, DTSX, and goes on from there, and, you know, talks about gauging the possibilities, and, you know, just uh, very interesting stuff in line with uh, our conversation here, and I guess this will lead nicely into it, but, yeah, so, um, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I have not had any experience with DTS X yet. I have had experience with Dolby Atmos and RO3D, which are like the article states. It's uh, what was the what was the phrasing? Oral, orally dazzling. That's that's a word that I'm going to start peppering in conversations. Whether or not whatever we're doing fits that need. Yeah, orally, so dazzling. Or, orally dazzling is 4K and 8K video purport to be visually. Ooh. There's a purport. There's another one for you. When I think someone says orally dazzling, that's like bedazzling your, uh, your braces, but that's just my first thought. <laughs> uh, whether or not that's true, uh, th this new technologies in terms of surround sound or beyond 5.1 is way beyond 5.1, of course, because we're talking about your traditional surround sound at ear level. And then we have, depending on whether that's Atmos, DTSX, or RO3D, you have at least one height layer. 
and adding a height layers like what I was talking about earlier with the drone conversation, having mics measure at different levels from around the area or surrounding areas because when you and I speak, whether that's in an enclosed room outside off of buildings, sound is reflections and bouncing off of different points. So it's not just at ear level, it actually reflects off the of walls, buildings, glass ceilings, surfaces, and comes from different areas. So to get that experience in the theater now is, I think, a bit more truer to life than the traditional surround sound where everything just is at front side and rear at, at one level because it's, that's not the way sound works. It's, it's kind of an immersive bubble, if you will, with reflections. And to hear that coded from the movie and engineer standpoint is pretty damn cool in my opinion i mean that's that's the way sound works i mean when you go outside you're hearing things from different areas layers and heights it's not just right at your ears it's it's coming from all around you um ryan i think has a little more experience with some of this uh at least on the atmo side to my knowledge um ryan tell me tell me a little bit about your experience with um Dolby Atmos a little bit, and if you've had any other experiences with any other um, sound systems in that nature. Sure. So my experience with Dolby Atmos began uh, CES two years ago, I believe, where I was lucky enough to hear an early demo of Dolby Atmos that was being put on by Dolby. And uh, what, what amazed me right away was that even though we were in a ballroom in the Venetian somewhere with this very imperfect listening area, I was able to hear sound and audio from all around me. You know, they did a, a demo loop of a rainstorm, and suddenly I'm not in the basement of the, of the Venetian. I'm in a forest in the middle of a rainstorm. And what's really been impressive, impressive to me is to watch it develop and now be able to have that experience of that caliber you know, in my lady cave, as my wife would call it, uh, downstairs in my house. So to take all of your entertainment and be able to kind of take it to a whole new level as far as the immersiveness and the sound, you know, and I guess I'm a little biased towards audio because I work for an audio company, but you know, when you're watching a movie or playing a video game, even watching football, the audio is what really brings you into the experience. So to be completely surrounded by sound, you know, not just at your ear level, but over your head and off in the corner and everywhere, uh, is something that just takes the experience well beyond what anyone's used to in the home and even in the theater with Dolby Atmos uh, enabled movie theaters. The Oro 3D technology I've had the pleasure to listen to as well, which uh, is just as incredible, goes even further as far as capability as of numbers of speakers that can be implemented. Um, and DTSX is something I had a little taste of, um, but not the full launch yet because obviously it hasn't been launched. All of it just really, uh, I think, going to change home theater. You know, we've had this kind of lull where you have sound bars and things that have come in and they were able to kind of mimic the experience of a traditional home theater enough for most customers to be convinced that it was a better option. Object-based audio is going to kind of break above that and allow to give you an experience that, you know, a single speaker up front will never be able to touch. So it's something, obviously, the audio industry and speaker manufacturers are very excited about. You know, something that will finally convince people to have those wires run and, and deal with a little bit more complicated of a setup to get that much better of an experience. Now, do you think that's just for the home or 
in the commercial theater for most people would go watch a movie like you're going to get that same experience whether or not you're at home or at the theater yeah i mean either way uh i watched guardians of the galaxy and uh american sniper in dolby atmos uh in the theater and the first the first one i watched was uh guardians of the galaxy and i actually had to look up you know they you mentioned in the article the neck snapping which sounds kind of cheesy but it's kind of true i mean you're in the theater and all of a sudden you're in a scene when you're in the ship and guardians of the galaxy for anyone who's seen it and all of a sudden you're hearing like the ventilation system of that ship so overhead is like a vent just dumping air and i actually looked up because i thought they had turned on a ridiculously loud hvac system but it turns out it was just a speaker overhead putting me into that environment, putting me onto that spaceship. You know, uh, and Ryan, I, I actually, um, Johnny's AV Insider he did with you last year, you had mentioned, I think it was on that, that you had mentioned about Guardians of, of the Galaxy. Yeah. Told me Atmos experience. And now I was going to actually ask you if there was a more recent movie experience you had with, and you mentioned American Sniper. How was that with a, with a movie like American Sniper, uh, that type of experience? So the cool thing about Dolby Atmos in, and object-based audio is the ability for the movie maker to put you in whatever environment you're supposed to be in. So when you're up on top of a building, you know, in Fallujah with Chris Kyle and he's looking down the scope and you're hearing all of the ambient sound that he would hear, you know, you're hearing the wind rustling over your head. You're hearing the sounds of, you know, the armored personnel carrier rolling through the alley to the left of you. Um, you know, and then eventually, when he takes the shot, as he takes many, you know, the, the reverb of that shot throughout the room, throughout the theater, um, it just puts you kind of into that place. And obviously, if you've seen the movie, there's a lot of very tense moments. And those moments are made that much more impactful when you're hearing and experiencing, you know, exactly what it was he was experiencing behind the scope of that gun. So you're, you're, in essence, in a full immersive audio experience. Because we always talk about, you know, telepresence, immersive experience and all of that. But now you're talking about a full immersive audio experience where you are on that building uh, yeah. with him. Sensing all, all the sounds, the wind, you know, and, and all of that. It's, uh, uh, it's, it sounds pretty amazing, that type of experience. Yeah, and I think, I think that I hope that some of the people who are most excited about it, again, are the content creators because, you know, your whole goal when you're making a movie is to transport the viewer to whatever environment it is that you have on screen. So to be able to surround someone completely, not just at their E-level, but overhead, and then, you know, it goes even further to be able to place sounds in the middle of a room, not just out on the edges where the speakers are. Um, you know, that's something that I, the movie makers are getting excited about. You know, you have Mad Max Fury Road uh, just released. Um, what else? A, a bunch of other major, major pictures have obviously been released recently to kind of bulk up the catalog and hopefully convince people that it's something worth uh, investing in because I certainly believe it is. I agree with you. I, I feel... That when going to a movie, let's just say, whether or not that's in your home or at the theater, that people are going to experience or going there to experience something that they're not just going there just to watch a movie. They're there to experience whatever that film or cinematic event is. Uh, I think the, the goal has been for a while and if 
for some people aren't doing that, they should be to make people forget that they're just sitting in a theater or at home, that they are a part of this uh, event or experience that, you know, kind of forget they're just sitting in there. That's whether that's the sound coming from different angles and things like that, doing and or providing that experience is very key. Um, and I think that's part of the reason people went to the movies to begin with, just to kind of forget, you know, your day-to-day lives, troubles, and all that stuff. It's been a, it, it's just very much to take you out of your element, I think. Yeah, and then you take you take the ability to improve, you know, well beyond just the experience of the movie. You know, um, I'm a, an avid Call of Duty gamer, play pretty often. Um, the first time I fired up my Dolby Atmos theater and played Call of Duty, it was crazy. Talking about being on, you know, that building with Chris Kyle in the movie. Now you're just, you're completely in that environment, wherever you are, you know, in, uh, on a Call of Duty map playing multiplayer. And, uh, you know, the, the increased awareness that you get in the gameplay, you know, is something that if you're, if you're a gamer, the advantages that you can get to understand exactly where your opponents are based off of where the sound is coming from. Uh, especially for, as we call them campers, the guys that like to hide out certainly helps uh, if you're that type of gamer, because you can hear if someone's approaching from behind you or left and right, uh, you know, football games, you're watching a football game. I just watched uh, last week uh, all day Sunday, you know, you're, you're in that stadium much of the time you're hearing people applauding all around you. So while you can't make it to this, you know, to see your team play, you can feel as if you're there right in your home. So definitely something that I think uh, will become just more and more important in home theaters as the years go by. Good, good information. I was, uh, I was just going to say, I think we talk a lot about 4k in, in the industry. And I think that sound kind of gets left out of that mix pun intended um and uh actually (laughs) at at my house i have a really old 47 inch tv um and instead of upgrading our tv we actually upgraded our audio um and i think it actually makes for a better experience uh and ryan you'll be you'll be happy to know it's an akio receiver and surround sound speaker set that's what i'm talking about (laughs) she just went out and bought it yesterday yeah (laughs) that's for you right actually we upgraded it for the for the super bowl Oh, um, okay. good call. Cool. And uh, and and with about I don't know two and a half minutes to go, I was like, oh, I really wish I hadn't spent all that time running those cables. <laughs> and eventually, was happy that I had. Um, but uh, yeah, I think sound actually really um, plays a huge part in the uh, experience, and uh, more people would be better served to to pay attention to their sound. What really quick? Uh, when did you upgrade the sound? Uh, last February. Last February. Yes. And what is it? A five one or seven one seven two? It is a <laughs> seven one. Noted. Okay. So I think now is a great point uh, to to, to add in to, some Atmos. 
Ryan, yeah. if you want to you want to send some some stuff over for beta testing I, i'll uh i'll be happy to uh oh, oh we all accept uh, <laughs> gifts on this show right? although this is the part where i confess that when we ran the cables we totally just like strang them wherever they would go and i was like this is not infocom standard Dude. that's a, that's a definitely instagram worthy we're gonna need to see that after the show oh, oh yeah when you use the fluorescent lights in the basement um to hold things up it's like remember if it starts sounding like a uh, word I can't say in front of my daughter, um, let's turn the basement lights off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see it if you do that, so that's fine. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. I think yeah. now's a great time to actually formally introduce Ryan. Ryan Steffens, who is the Eastern Business Development Manager at Onkyo USA. Uh, Ryan, hey, first of all, thank you for taking the time on this Saturday. I know you are busy, like we all are. It's the weekend, and Hey man, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit how Hope can maybe upgrade her system to uh, Atmos now that she's got a seven one, but maybe not quite a seven one point two or or anything of the nature. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you, your role with the company. What is Onkyo? What do you guys offer? And maybe talk upgrades and things like that. Sure. So. I, as you said, I'm the Eastern Regional Business Development Manager. So I'm managing uh, pretty much all the Onkyo business in the eastern half of the United States from, you know, the small independent guy up to the regional retailers, uh, PC Richards, Brandsmart, like those guys. Uh, and also the distribution channel, which obviously caters to the, the more custom side of the business. Most installers uh, that purchase Onkyo are going through distribution at this point in time. Um, Onkyo has been around for... I think it's on the 70 years now making home audio products. We've been, you know, kind of a leader in the technology, the first to have a surround sound receiver, uh, the first to have a dual tape deck. So if you ever made a mixtape, you know, to win over a boy or a girl in elementary school, middle school, you know, Anki was the first manufacturer that really obviously thought of that and the need for that. Um, we're the first to be THX certified actually, working closely with uh, George Lucas to create the THX certification process. Um, and the list goes on. I mean, we're the first to have networking, the first to have uh, audio streaming services built into the receiver. So we were, you know, the first to come to market with a bunch of Atmos products, mostly uh, on the side of trying to make them more affordable so that everyone could enjoy Dolby Atmos. And in fact, to enjoy Dolby Atmos, depending on what you have, if you already have a 7.1, you would have to purchase uh, a new receiver, and then we have a couple of different options. You can do uh, two add-on speakers that go up front that will reflect off your ceiling and give you the Dolby Atmos effect, or you could buy in-ceiling speakers and install them uh, above your listening area, also giving you the Dolby Atmos uh, effect. So the cool thing about it is just how flexible it is the ability for really anyone on any budget that's looking to get into home theater to be able to enjoy object-based audio and enjoy Dolby Atmos. So I hope you got to buy new stuff, basically. Oh, man, I <laughs> yeah. just bought new stuff. <laughs> that's what everyone I... says. I just bought that like 20 years ago. What? <laughs> what? Come on. I, I actually... I actually really love our Onkyo receiver. I'm not shilling. I do actually enjoy it. Um, it it's an, I use it as an HDMI switcher as well. Perfect. I have it integrated with my Crestron system. I have some notes for your API if you'd be interested in them after the show. Um, 
But um, for the most part, it's been great. And uh, just to add on to the streaming that you were talking about, their Spotify integration is, pun intended, spot on. <laughs> you do have to have Spotify premium for it, but once you have that, it becomes just another Spotify device. And I can actually start up Spotify on my iPhone and send it over to my Ankyo receiver, and it turns on in the living room, and it's awesome. Uh, I, I would like it to tell me when it stops streaming for my integration on my Crestron uh, stuff so that I can set it to turn the system off automatically, but that is my only complaint. Well, you get me whatever feedback you have. I'll do my <laughs> best to try to fix it for next time around. I think it might just be your Crestron module because it looks like it does spit out an, uh, a string uh, when, it, when it stops streaming, and I just either need to figure out to how to parse it or whoever wrote the module just needs to write an update. But very integrator friendly IP control. I'm happy. I, uh, we do love puns here on the show. Tech exchange. Hope is very good on the pun scheme. She's great. She's an awesome programmer. Um, a little note for hope when you send that email over to Ryan over at Ankyo, um, maybe the, the command line reads something, you know, if, Spotify is not working very well. Send command signal. Spotify is body, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. I'm I'm not good with words. Yeah. That that, that was a good try, Johnny. That really was. Um, by by the way, so there are a couple of other things from this uh, article that I the Infocom article that I read uh, from the '70s, and one of them is going to be uh, part of my final question round. But the other is from, well, a well-known band from the 60s, 70s, and beyond, and an album that was honestly one of the greatest I'd ever heard. And uh, it talks about um, people have been trying to create immersive audio environments at live events for decades, and it says, best known, The Who's live production of Quadrophenia. Uh, Krista, good album. Yeah, I'm a big Who fan, so that is perfect. Thank you for not talking about Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find anything on Rush, but I'll look for it. Um, no, we're, good. we're good. So, uh, yeah, Quadrophenia, it says, uh, you know, PA guru Bob Heil plays speaker groups in each of the hall's four corners, and then using a pair of linked to mixed consoles. He was able to fly vocalist Roger Daltrey's voice around the room from speaker to speaker. Sounds pretty awesome. Um, you know, it's just things like that that happened in the past, you know, building up to what we have now. Uh, and again, this other one, this is probably one of the movies that's, you know, from the 70s that's referred to uh, in many respects as being, you know, groundbreaking in Dolby Stereo. But, uh, Ryan, so um, I guess my curiosity in terms of live events and things of that nature and then the theater realm, uh, how that all translates. Sure. I mean, some of the greatest demos I've heard are actually live music events. Um, Dolby and DTS every year release um, discs in their current formats to demo all the different types of listening experiences one can have. So one of the most impressive I heard was actually um, Nine Inch Nails, the hand that feeds live in Dolby True HD. And 
the ability for them to isolate the instruments is just incredible. Um, so obviously when you're talking about listening to music, stereo is the kind of go-to for that. But if you were, if you open up your mind to, you know, multi-channel music listening, you're talking about the ability to pick out, you know, a guitar to the right, a vocalist in the center, you know, maybe some background vocals coming from the left and right, you know, out, out on the sides of you. And I'm actually excited. I haven't heard a live music performance uh, mixed in Dolby Atmos yet, but obviously the ability to transport somebody into that arena or that concert um, becomes very real. And they could set up, you know, your soundstage so that you sitting on your couch is like you standing in the front row watching, you know, what's really cool. And I think will will show a lot of benefits is the ability to bring that soundstage up. So instead of just hearing audio at eye level, ear level, now you're going to have the ability to have, you know, sound from floor to ceiling, which is what you're getting when you're at a major concert. So you're saying it's all free gear so we can experience that is what I heard. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I'll, I'll, look cables, right? I'll look into that. Hold your breath for that. I'm about to tell my husband to start ripping up floorboards. So, uh, oh, wow. well, that's, I mean, I, I really appreciate that dedication. So I might have to send it. <laughs> I'm not familiar. You mentioned that, you know, you got an audio experience in, in that kind of surround experience or Atmos experience. Is there a lot of music that's being recorded that way? Cause I am not familiar with, of any of that. No. So right now the music that I've listened to, uh, you know, in surround sound has been in Dolby true HD or DTS HD master. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't actually heard music yet. Um, live performed music in Dolby Atmos, but I, I have to imagine that it's, it's just around the corner because the, the formats are catching on the idea of object based audio is catching on. And, you know, it would be my, my belief at least that artists and, that are trying to give you the best possible experience that are trying to show, you know, their appreciation to their fans that are going to go out and spend, you know, good money on a Blu-ray so that they could watch them in their home. We'll try to give them the best experience possible. So I think it's only a matter of time before it happens. You and I have talked about this in the past and we haven't on this show. Um, taking content that isn't recorded in a Dolby Atmos experience, but using Onkyo product to upmix, if you will, and play back that experience and getting a sort of faked, if you will, sure. experience, but, but it does recreate that experience, correct? It does. And that's one of the cool things is that you're not just buying this setup and putting in additional speakers or tearing up floorboards if you're getting extreme. Um, and you're only getting the experience that one time a month where you get to actually sit down and watch a movie. Um, you're going to enjoy a heightened experience every time you turn on your system because there's a mode called Dolby Surround that will take any digital input and convert it and um, simulate, as we like to say, we try not to say fake too much, uh, the Dolby Atmos experience. And, you know, I'm actually watching, I mean, I'd say that 90% of my viewing is done downstairs in the lady cave, uh, usually with my wife. Um, watching, you know, regular TV or, you know, things that we've got recorded on our DVR, you know, uh, for those walking dead fans out there, fear the walking dead is incredible when you have that music that's really setting up the tenseness of the scene and it's playing through everywhere. Um, 
you know, and even movies that are, I'm streaming a movie in 5.1, you know, Dolby Digital Plus, uh, for you horror fans out there, uh, a movie that's called It Follows, which is uh, a fantastic new uh, kind of horror film. And I was watching it with my sister-in-law, and she's sitting to the right of me, and in the movie, a window broke. And the placement of the breaking window was in a space between two speakers, and also right where I have a window. And her response was, I literally just pooped my pants. So it's pretty incredible what can be done, you know, with your experience, even if you're not getting true Dolby encoded content. It really does improve your listening experience. So what you're saying is Dolby Atmos totally kicks 4K's butt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have the ability to get 4K, you know, you guys kind of talked about this a little bit, but... You know, I've tried to watch 4K. I have a Samsung JS8500 4K TV downstairs. The only way I can watch 4K is streaming through the online, the, the streamers built into the TV right now. And I have to have like a steady, I don't know, 25 meg speed, something along those lines to do it. And the catalog is small. And when you're actually looking at it, all the streaming that's available right now in 4K, the only way to get 4K, when you actually compare it to Blu-ray 1080p into a 4K television and scaled with the, the scaler within the TV, many of the sites will say that they actually think that the Blu-ray looks better than the 4K content. So I think that that's such a, it's such a hard thing to quantify, you know, the improvement that you can truly get because it relies on the content, the streaming capabilities in your home that, yeah, if you can make your audio experience better, I think it's far better investment than, than worrying about the current video format. I currently have a 5.1 audio system, which is cool. It was like homemade of botched stuff I put together, and eventually I need to upgrade it. But like right now, my dogs freak out because like the back speakers, like especially if we're watching football, and yes. you hear the fans, like you hear some guys say, oh, go uh, uh, to yourself or, you yeah. know, go Eagles or something. And like the dogs think it's somebody in the front of the house. So, so I can we, only imagine with the, uh, if I upgrade to Dolby Atmos, what they're going to do. So in my home, I have, I have two boxers and uh, two like 85 pound monsters. And they're, those people are called the people in the basement um, because the speakers in my upstairs theater are right by where the stairs go down. And as soon as people start cheering, the dogs jump up, start barking and run down to the front door because they think someone is trying to get in the house. Um, and in, and actually the scene where the window broke that I was talking about, right following that was my two boxers running towards the window because they thought someone was breaking into my home. So yeah, it's not only does it make your viewing experience better, but it adds some comedic relief when your dogs think that things are happening that obviously are not. So while we were talking, I just ordered my Onkyo uh, <laughs> 7.1 network AV receiver speaker package with Dolby Atmos. Perfect. Uh, and, and I ordered Prime, so it should be here in two days. All right. Amazon Prime. Do you use a Prime button? Like the gear. I use, uh, no, actually, they have an Onkyo uh, dash button. So you just hit the oh, dash sweet. button and you get your Onkyo, uh, you get your <laughs> Onkyo package. <laughs> I would get into a lot of trouble by doing that. It's like, I don't know. I just have like Onkyo just coming every damn day. He's pressing day. the like Onkyo clockwork. button every day. <laughs> that, that's just me, though. I love audio. I just like, I don't know. I got nothing better to do. Onkyo speakers at most. Uh, we did get the world's most enormous speaker box when I finally just ordered a sur surround speakers in a box. Uh, it was like the size of 
a oven box or something. My husband was like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I know Johnny had talked about residential commercial, um, you know, so, and, and, you know, of course on this show, Ryan, we have people listening from uh, both realms of uh, the audiovisual market. So uh, let's say with Cedia coming up, um, what kind of things would you talk about on, on that side of the coin? So with Cedia, a lot of our focus is obviously on the more custom-oriented features, you know, our receivers that have RS-232 and 12-volt triggers. Um, you know, we talk about how well our product plays along with all the different control uh, formats and control companies. Um, I can confirm Cedia, that. I'm sorry? I said I can confirm that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting with Cedia because the customer at Cedia is – incredibly product driven and incredibly focused on what they're doing. Um, a lot of them have different techniques, the ways that they're going to implement the product. They're looking for different things because this one receiver now is not just, you know, it's, they're not just installing a home theater package. Typically they're going to be going out, they're going to be doing whole home, you know, automation programming. It's going to become part of a bigger system. So it's kind of how it plays into their, their plan and how they implement it. Um, so it's kind of like you stand there, you say hi, and then you hope that you have the right answer for the question that comes following that. Um, with me kind of in the role that I've been in, I haven't been able to really take that deep dive into the custom aspect of my product. Um, so it, it's been, it's interesting going to Cedia. Um, you know, you can end up talking to a guy for two hours about how no one is implementing um, calibration technology to truly calibrate two subwoofers the way they should be calibrated. Uh, and then you're, you're struggling just to keep up and, and pay attention to what he's saying. So it's always an interesting experience. It's really cool because obviously those are, those are the customers that we have that are really dedicated to our brand. And uh, we really try to just show their appreciation. And, and I do my best to answer all their questions, but usually have to pass them off. Uh, doing your best to answer this question on the spot. What is your booth number at CDA? Go. Uh, can you edit in the number, the right number? Because I forget. Ooh, the, actual, <laughs> the correct answer. Well, we pasted in. How's that? <laughs> yeah. So on the show, I didn't tell you that we actually are going to uh, throw in a lot of live questions, and if you don't get them right, you get strikes. Oh um, no! There, no there we, we, del we delete the show. That's it. Uh, well, you're no. not what happened. There, there are buzzwords you're not allowed to use. So far, you've been pretty good. You've actually, and I've been keeping a tally of points, by the way. Kind of like a whose line it is anyway. Uh, Ryan, you have a lot of points for having the Lady Cave. Crystal, you got a few points. Corey, you're down a few, unfortunately. Uh, Hope, you've got I a bunch down of points. points. Well, I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics. Uh, not important. We'll, we'll total them up at the end of the show. Uh, Great. Great. Yeah, we'll... we'll uh, We'll superimpose the booth number in the audio format. Yes. Yeah. We'll Perhaps. make sure we get that in. It, it'll be in Dolby Atmos format, so it'll be even better. It'll a like immersive booth number. <laughs> it'll oh, thank God. It'll descend from the cloud. So, Ryan, on the other end of that, on the commercial side, um, you know, we talked about CD and we talked about uh, that side of the coin. Uh, what about the commercial side? So, the commercial side for, for our products. Um, we don't, I mean, I'm sure that there's some guys uh, using them in a commercial. We used to actually have a brand dedicated to commercial usage called Onkyo Pro. 
it's something that we it's about four or five years ago that we stopped uh, producing it. So I guess we're not really truly active in trying to hunt down too much of the commercial usage as much as I'm sure there are customers out there that are using it that way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that where that comes into play is probably a lot of our, our simple two channel products and guys going out and running, you know, simple systems for restaurants and doctors right. and things like that to listen. Right. To. You know, and we have some products that although they're not specifically designed for that, um, you know, we have a new two channel receiver we just launched called the TX8160. That's Wi-Fi, built in Wi-Fi, built in AirPlay, Bluetooth. Um, you know, it's got the ability to do a second zone. So it's got a pre-out for uh, zone two. So there are some products, while not specifically designed for it, that work pretty well for those uh, commercial situations where someone's just looking to put up some speakers in a doctor's office and place them. No, and good point because you're right. Don't forget about doctor's offices and restaurants and you know things of that nature where a simple system going into an office or what have you, uh, sure, sure, that would apply. Yeah. yeah, I was actually, I was at my eye doctor recently um, and we started talking and I explained that I work for Ankyo and next thing I know I'm following him into a, a kind of rather dark and dungy, uh, dungeon-esque closet. Which I didn't, I wasn't scared at all. Um, <laughs> and it was like a 22 year old, not person, Ankyo receiver, um, that, uh, he had and had been playing his, uh, audio in his doctor's office for like 15 years. He had brought it from his house cause the previous one had broke down, fired it up and it worked and it's been playing music ever since. So oh, there you go. There you go. Now we have come to the part of the show, which is my favorite part of the show, the lightning round. Uh, I don't think I told you about this part, Ryan, but uh, we have a bunch of predetermined questions that we're going to ask you, and hopefully you get these right. So if anyone has uh, questions to fire off, start shooting Ryan's way. My questions don't have a right or wrong answer, but if I agree with your answer, I will be very enthusiastic. <laughs> um, what are your two favorite um, music videos? Hmm. My two favorite music videos, I would say the first is, uh, they're kind of nostalgic under the, I believe under the bridge by red hot chili peppers, just because I remember watching it over and over and over again as a little kid. Um, and then the other one, ironic, kind of weird is, uh, don't go chasing waterfalls. Um, because I just had this. Okay, I lied, Ryan. Those are wrong answers. <laughs> oh, no. Well, so, because I always have this flashback of my father uh, singing along to it while we were on vacation in Florida, and he kept changing the words in a true dad joke manner to don't go Jason Waterfalls. And then he would keep asking us, who is this Jason Waterfalls and why is he leaving? So, just for the nostalgic effect of it, I guess that one's kind of become one of my favorites. I don't know if that like, saved my answer in any way in your, in your eyes, but I, I tried. No, you at least validated it. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, the don't go chasing waterfalls is my alarm clock in the morning when I wake up. So it just really kind of sets the tone for the rest of my day. Thank you for being even just a little bit more weird than my choice in video. <laughs> uh, that's how I roll, man. One weird moment at a time. <laughs> okay. Hope you got any questions? Your daughter have any questions? Um, you, sorry, no. <laughs> pass. Right, Mike, Mike, I lose. Pass. Take away my points. Make something answer. up quick. Uh, 
Uh, oh, I know. Uh, what do you have uh, for a sound system in your lady cave? Oh, okay. In my lady cave, I have a TXNR 1030 uh, Onkyo receiver. Yeah. Um, I know a guy, so I get hooked up with those. Um, I, I just have the 616. Oh, but that's still a great receiver. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, this is this is it's like 135 watts of channel. I've got nine channels of amplification that I can use. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the I have Klipsch towers up front, full Klipsch 5.1, and then I have actually DefTech uh, in ceilings for the Atmos channel. So it's kind of pieced together over things that I've acquired, um, but sounds extremely good. My question is, what is the most cinematic movie you've seen in the last year? Or, as I like to put it, the most orally dazzling video you've seen in the last year in a movie? Um, let's see. I mean, Mad Max Fury Road was just kind of an assault on your senses. Um, it was a pretty visually, visually just incredible. But I think the audio kept up with it throughout the entire movie. I mean, I was just blown away by how incredible it looked and sounded and i cannot wait to watch it at home because i think uh it'll be just as good at home did you watch interstellar i did watch interstellar um i watched that at home up here uh in my undolby atmos theater because it was prior to my downstairs my lady cave being complete um that one i thought was good uh but i feel like it, it that was kind of if i'm remembering correctly kind of more of a score driven uh movie where it was kind of more about the music uh yeah than anything else so Corey, okay i'm gonna be taking us back uh quite a ways here this was my other one from the 70s uh i am going to start describing this movie that actually introduced moviegoers to surround sound with dolby stereo we're going to see if Ryan can guess the movie, and if not, then I'm going to hand it off to somebody else. Are you ready, Ryan? I am, and I'm not cheating, I promise. Okay, it's 2274, and on the surface, it all seems to be an idyllic society, living in a city within an enclosed dome. There is little or no work for humans to, platform, to perform, and inhabitants are free to pursue all of the pleasures of life. There is one catch, however... Your life is limited, and when you reach 30, it is terminated in a quasi-religious ceremony known as carousel. Whoa. Some known as runners do try to escape their fate when the time comes, and it's the job of the Sandman to track them down and kill them. Do you um, know the movie? I'm going to go with my gut and say doom. Uh, nope. Krista? Logan's run. Logan is such a man, and with several years before his own termination date, thinks nothing of the job he does. Logan's run. So, so it's not Minions. <laughs> it is not the Minions movie, no. So close. Um, but what it says here, Ryan, basically is... Uh, it says, which despite his name was actually a four-channel audio system with two rear channels and a stereo front image, but which prompted an industry-wide revamp of cinema sound infrastructure. So, yeah, it looks like Logan's Run was the movie that, and no, not Star Wars, but Logan's Run was Thank the, you. that Logan. did it. So, uh, yeah, well, thanks for playing. I, uh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so... Uh, 
What was the first, did you say what was the first movie that really wowed you in terms of a Dolby experience? I would say that the first movie that really hit me and made me a movie lover and a surround sound lover uh, is Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. You know, I'm, let's see, I was uh, eight years old when that movie came out, uh, 1993, and uh, it just blew my mind. Um, obviously, the audio aspect of it, the visual aspect, I think that even today, that movie's, the special effects still stand today. Um, and that's what really cemented my love for movies, for surround sound. And uh, I still go back and watch it probably about once a year in my own theater just to kind of bring myself back. I think the original of, Jurassic Park? Yeah. yeah, the original Jurassic Park. Mm. I think a lot of people would agree, Ryan. That was probably, if you think about an experience in Dolby Sound, one of the greatest experiences. And, and you'll never, and never forget where the kids are in the, uh, in the Jeep and, you know, the, the T-Rex is coming and just the, the T-Rex, the footsteps and everything yes. uh, with the water. And I mean, that really one of the greatest uh, scenes in sound I'd have yeah. to say. Yeah. It's I, one of my favorites to use when I'm doing trainings. Um, there's actually a demo disc that came out a couple of years ago where they put Jurassic Park on it. And that scene exactly where the T-Rex is breaking the fence yeah. You can hear the strands of that electric fence mm -hmm. rip from one side of the room to the other. Right. Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um my opinion on that movie I think it is it's a great movie, but uh what I don't get is why the dinosaurs have such a bad rap. Those kids are in a Jeep. The dinosaurs just trying to hug them and he's got these little tiny arms and I think that's the T Rex is just misunderstood and his whole life he's un, been unable to get hugs from his parents because he's got these little tiny baby arms and it's just unfortunate really. That's my thought. Johnny, I think the next one is going to be Dinosaurs and Drones. Okay. Just dinosaurs and Drones? Well, as long as we don't talk about the new Jurassic Park where Chris Pratt is friends with raptors, because that would never happen. No, we're, we're definitely not going to go there. Okay, okay, we'll talk about original. Let's skip that one. Just dinosaurs in general. And if you yeah. think about it, I mean, every time you go to the gas station, you're just paying for like old recycled dinosaurs, and that's pretty awesome. <laughs> there, there you go. So, uh, Ryan, some uh, final thoughts on uh, all of this? Ooh. Some final thoughts. Well, I guess it's interesting to see and to uh, sit here and speak with you guys and kind of be exposed to some other aspects, some other thoughts within CE and technology. So I can tell you guys obviously have your specialties and, and things that you're talking about and uh, great to come on here and have the opportunity to talk about audio and Ankyo and, you know, the experience that I think is so incredibly important that uh, I think we've kind of gone through a little bit of a soft spot where I think people forgot what audio was all about and how important it was in your experience. And uh, I think that we're right on the verge of kind of the reawakening of home audio and in a traditional sense. I think that you see that already on the two channel side with the resurgence of vinyl. And I think that uh, traditional multi you know, channel home theater is right behind it. And people realizing that they're sacrificing an experience for, you know, convenience and that's not the right way to live your life. Thank you very much, Ryan. We again, appreciate your time as it is the weekend. Uh, thank you for all your knowledge, your insights, and where the industry is heading in terms of multi-channel audio, a truly immersive experience. And on behalf of Rave Radio, 
Tech Exchange, James Johnson, who could not be here, Corey Moss, Krista Bender, Hope Roth. I'd like to say thank you. This has been Tech Exchange. And until next time, be excellent to each other. 